You're listening to Zach Spooktacularathon. This episode will contain mild language. It's not too spicy. Um, it's 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 medium language. This episode will also contain spoilers for the 2016 foreign film Under the Shadow. Hey, all you horror film fanatic spooktacularathoners, welcome to another episode of Zach Spooktacularathon. Today, I watched a pretty scary film, a pretty sad film as well, but it was the film Under the Shadow, which is Iranian, but also was actually released in the United Kingdom, uh, so it's from the UK. It is a 2016 horror film that has a backdrop of the Iran-Iraq war, and it is directed by Babak Anvari. I might have butchered that name, uh, but that is who directed this film. We're going to start off, as we always do, with plot summary. Try to make a brief, pretty simple story going on here with a lot of politics in the background. We are introduced to this character... And by the way, I might mispronounce all of these character names uh, because I do not speak Persian myself, uh, but I believe her name is Shida, and she is trying to go to med school because that's what her interests are, is becoming a doctor, but she is barred from becoming a doctor, and she is denied entry into this med school program because she has leftist views and has partaken in uh, revolutionary actions that do not permit her to this school. Um, going on right now, we've got Iran versus Iraq, um, a war going on. This takes place in the 80s, but there was a war between those two countries. And this film takes place in Tehran, which was a big part of the war, a, a big city that was a part of the war. Um, so Shida and her daughter, Dorsa, are in Iran, uh, in Tehran, and Shida's husband is also home at the time. And at the time, he is called, his name is Iraj, and he is called into the military to help as a doctor. He is formally trained as a doctor and went to school to be a doctor, uh, so he is called into the war. Iraj tells Shida that she should move to live with his parents. And she does says no at the time. She wants to stay where she is, but we are constantly getting these scenes of missiles being dropped into Tehran um, as Iraq is engaging in warfare against Iran. And then Dorsa, the daughter, meets this kid in their apartment complex that tells her about these djinn, which I believe are like genies, but more like demons. Um, and I believe it's in the Islam Bible or the Quran. Um, but this kid tells her about them, this new kid that is staying with one of the tenants in the building, tells her about these genies. And Dorsa starts to get sick and have a lot of trouble sleeping. Uh, she has this doll named Kimia, and she has a lot of trouble sleeping after she hears about these genies. 
So Shida goes to the tenant that is taking care of the kid and asks the tenant to politely tell the kid not to tell Dorsa about these demons because she is having nightmares. And the tenant says that the kid has been mute because his parents died. We learn that he is staying with this family because his parents died and he has been mute ever since. So that's kind of weird. Uh, but Shida also starts to have bad dreams and she's kind of weirded out because she does not know how this kid told Dorsa about the genies or the djinn since he is supposedly mute. Uh, during this time, all of Shida and Dorsa's neighbors start to leave and Shida starts to see this creature that appears to be what the little kid was talking about, the djinn. Dorsa sees this woman that she believes is trying to help her find Kimia because she loses the doll and she thinks her mom stole the doll. Shida and Dorsa do not get along very well. And Shida's husband that left a long time ago to become a doctor is not happy with how Shida treats Dorsa. But Dorsa believes that Shida stole Kimia from her and hid it, hid the doll. So Shida goes on this mission to try and find the doll because they know that this doll is needed in order to escape from the building. And they believe that they're being haunted because this doll was stolen by a djinn that is, is the thing haunting them. So finally, they find the doll and Shida repairs the doll and they try to escape. And then we're introduced to two different Dorsas. One is down in the basement, which is where they hide whenever they hear a siren about a mitzvah coming in. Um, Dorsa is down there because they heard that a missile was coming. So they go down there to hide while, while there's another Dorsa that is upstairs. So Shida has to figure out which one is real. It turns out the one upstairs was not real. And the one upstairs actually was the demon. And the one downstairs then gets stuck downstairs. And she gets like covered in these blankets that the demon is trying to hide her in. And then... She is found by Shida, and Dorsa is able to get to the stairs and starts to walk up. But then Shida is basically trapped in this black lava on the floor. Uh, finally, they're able to help each other get out, and they escape. But the last scene is Kimia's head, the doll. Her head is still left behind, and a medical book that we are led to believe was stolen from Shida by the demon is also left behind. So we think that the uh, jinn or demon can still possess them, even though they have left because the jinn still owns their personal belongings. It's kind of a confusing story. Um, I don't know too much about the creature or the demon, which is known as a jinn. It's pretty scary in this film. There's a good amount of jump scares. Uh, it was it was a fun film overall. I did have to turn it down a little bit. We're going to talk about that coming up next. So war films in general are not my strong suit because they tend to range from very quiet to very loud at any given moment. And this film, from the beginning, I knew was going to be jumpy. And I think it is very well done. 
It is not my favorite because it has a lot of jump scares and a lot of quiet, like tension and anticipation. Um, you constantly know that there are going to be missiles dropping at random times. And most of the dialogue is pretty quiet because aside from like missiles and this demon creature, that's not that loud, just kind of scary. There's just dialogue pretty much the whole time. So it's, it's a pretty quiet film in a quiet apartment complex for the most part, just a lot of anticipation going on. Uh, the theme of war is really well used in this film. And I am a political science major, and I'll admit, I don't know too much about the Iran versus Iraq uh, conflict that took place in the 80s or when this film is taking place. But it is very apparent that life at home was not good in Tehran at this time. The real horror of this film is the war. And these characters are questioned with whether they should stay in their home or they should leave. And they, if they leave, they're giving up all their possessions. Now, it doesn't seem like this family owns that much in general, so it's kind of odd to me that they choose to stay at first, uh, especially when a missile hits their own building pretty quickly in the film. There's a pretty immediate death of one of the tenants in the building, and if that's not enough to tell them to leave, I don't know what really is. I was also intrigued by the fact that they were taping their windows. I didn't know that that was a way to help prevent shattering of your windows, especially if a missile hits it. I'm pretty sure tape is not going to stop that, but I'm sure that the director of this film probably did his research and found that out. So that was super interesting to me. This film is definitely one that I can see giving nightmares to children. I think it was only PG-13, which actually surprised me. So, like, children could watch this, um, but it's pretty scary. It would be one of the scariest things I had ever seen if I saw it under the age of, like, 13, even. The child in this film, Dorsa, you see the effect of war on her on her face like she has to be comforted basically by this doll all the time she wets the bed in the film she has this fear of being alone uh it really just tears their whole household apart the husband and and wife are fighting the whole time while she's just kind of in the middle of it uh we also see there's this other kid whose parents were killed in the war and this kid has gone mute so it's really a lot of the effects of war just in this small household and with all these tenants. And it shows the effect of death of family members. This film is not very vividly graphic, I guess, or bloody, um, but it feels very tense. It puts you into the perspective of living in a war zone, which is luckily something I've never had to do but it brings to question like humanity in war and why these wars really occur and just the effect on, on a family and on a child. And that's, that's the scary part of this film overall, very well done. Uh, we're going to talk about sleep after we take another real quick break. Before we get into the 
horror of sleep deprivation. I did want to bring the Jane Fonda exercise video into this podcast because that was really fun. It's always great when you get a reference to a Jane Fonda exercise video. Uh, The mother in this film has a VHS player, which if you know what that is, uh, it's kind of like this tape that predates DVDs. There used to be these things that were not just discs. They were tapes, and sometimes you had to rewind it manually, and it was a lot of fun. I used to have so many Disney films on VHS. Anyways, there is a reference to a Jane Fonda exercise video that I love, and I thought it was hilarious that this mother's only real like reference to exercise is this Jane Fonda 80s exercise video. Also, a great thing to bring into the time period. Uh, because this was not released until 2016, so the director has to go back and reference things from the 80s, since this is supposed to take place in the 80s, and what better way to do that than this disco exercise video where everyone's wearing these leggings, and you got Jane Fonda. So what better way to do it than that? All right, going back, sleep deprivation is something we talked about a lot already on this podcast and this film uses that again it's something that we are seeing a lot of all throughout these horror films so we're going to talk about it again real quick Uh, but so far i've seen a lot of themes that are connected we've got bad parenting also debatably in this film i wouldn't say the parents are that bad in this film i think they're just misunderstood Uh, But we've got bad parenting. Um, We've got mirrors. Also in this film, we've got sleep deprivation. There's a quote in this film about how dead people can't dream, which I thought was very interesting uh, in the take. I think there might be a lot of religious aspects of this film that kind of flew over my head just because I'm not too familiar with Islam. But interesting quote of dead people can't dream. Uh, considering some people will believe in heaven and some will not. This mother has so much trouble sleeping, and this is a great performance because she always looks drained of energy. I don't know if it's the makeup they used or what, but she always looks drained of energy. There's these angles that really disoriented me and made me feel like I was in a dream. And it's, it's well used because we don't know sometimes if the stuff this mother is seeing is a dream or real life, and if the things she's hearing are a dream or real life, there's one angle where she's lying in bed and she sits up and the camera at first is like horizontal. So it looks like she's standing up, but she's really lying in her bed. And then it shifts to like vertical and it really threw me off and made me very uncomfortable. I, think that was very well shot and very creepy and then of course it reveals that the daughter is just standing at the edge of the bed which is another really creepy thing especially since we don't know if the daughter is like possessed by this demon or this djinn so yeah i think the camera angles really helped portray this sleep deprivation along with how the mother acted um another thing is I want to know if old people are scarier than young people because a lot of times 
when we get these scary visions, it's of these like old hag people or old men. Um, there's one scene where this old man dies in this film. And then I think we cut and see him like running at some point, like as the demon monster. And that's creepy. And I wonder if that would have the same effect if it was like a young child. I will say the daughter in this film is creepy at times. There's a time where she just turns into a demon that just has like teeth as a face, which is really odd and awful and disturbing. Um, but it's really interesting to me to see like how old people are used in horror films versus how young people are used in horror films. The demon itself is like faceless in this film and constantly changing. So I can't really talk about how well done or not well done that demon was because it just constantly changes it. At one time it will be a blanket. At one time it will be a nice woman according to Dorsa. And at other times it will be Dorsa herself, but with teeth and just a mouth as a face, which is just, it's disturbing. Yeah. I, I like this film a lot. It was scary. It was one of the scarier ones I've watched so far and it's a modern scary film and it doesn't feel too much like they were trying too hard. It it felt naturally scary. It didn't feel like they were going for jump scares all the time, but there are some that are very well placed. The filming itself is like sped up at times, which really gives that off offsetting disorientation that we talked about a little bit. Yeah, just well filmed. We're going to take one more break. We're going to talk about a couple more things with this film and what we're going to watch tomorrow. So I wanted to talk about the lighting and the setting as well with this film. Uh, this film is titled Under the Shadow. So you're led to believe that there's going to be a lot of shadows in this film or something like that. This film is a very bright film most of the time. And the lighting is a very yellow. It has this very yellow tint. It's a little bit disturbing. Like it's it's crisp, but it the yellow tint makes it not feel like daylight really. It's more of like fire. So that was really well done. Um, there's a lot of wind throughout the film as well, which makes for a eerie soundtrack and you're constantly seeing like curtains blown. Curtains blowing in the wind, another great thing in horror films. I feel like we got that probably in A Nightmare on Elm Street. This film, in a sense, reminded me a lot of A Nightmare on Elm Street because of the relation to dreams and like sleep deprivation. And I guess there's this monster that kind of haunts them in their sleep, but also while they're awake. Um, there's also a fair amount of use with mirrors in this film. There's one scene at the very beginning where Shida looks through her rear view mirror in the car. And that's, it's a scary scene and it's disturbing. I feel like rear view mirrors are something that are often looked at in like filmed in a movie when you think someone's following you and it adds to a lot of tension in a horror film. I feel like by the end of this, I'm really going to know how to make a horror film. Maybe I should make a horror film at the end of all of this and just like use all of these elements that I've learned. I'll just have some bad parents. I'll have some uh, 
scary old people, some scary young people, and I'll have a lot of mirrors and a lot of broken windows and curtains flying in the wind. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the elements down. For a genre that I did not like going into this at all, and I still don't love, I feel like I can make one of these movies. Anyways, there's also a lot of wood in this film, and there's like a lot of knocking on wood, uh, which is a superstitious thing, but it also makes a really weird, like hollow noise that's kind of disturbing. It feels very old. I assume like a lot of the period piece parts of this film felt like the building was just old in itself, and that kind of brought me back to the 80s. And these big wood doors are like they kind of they're kind of gothic feeling and unsettling is what I would say. I don't like these big like mahogany doors or whatever wood they're using. I don't know what kind of wood people use for doors. Uh, but when people knock on them, it's a very disturbing noise. Like if I go like this, it's not something you want to hear. If someone's at your door knocking like that, it's not good. I think that's probably why they invented doorbells is because people were too afraid of other people knocking on their doors. Um, it's, it's just a thought I have. Maybe I should research why people invented doorbells. This film uses that to its advantage. There's often people that knock on Shida's door and she frantically is, is kind of afraid. I'm like, maybe you should get a doorbell because that noise is horrifying and it's always really abrupt. Another thing that this film touches a little bit, but not a lot, this film's under an hour and a half and it touches a fair amount of subjects, but it doesn't really want to discuss them too much, I don't think. Like, it wants that backdrop of the war, but it doesn't want to discuss politics too much. It does discuss gender roles pretty well in Tehran at the time, uh, since Shida is not admitted to go back to school to learn about being a doctor, and her husband is a doctor that can fight in this war or help in this war by being a doctor. Um, it's, it's pretty scary. There's a lot of human rights questions that this film brings. Things have not changed everywhere. And this film, I think, was really trying to push that idea that things still have not changed in a lot of places and people are not, still not given the rights to do everything, uh, in every country. Yeah, that was, that was interesting to me. And I think that the backdrop of this film really enhanced it without really going too deep into a political conversation about it. I think this wanted to be more of a fun and scary horror film as opposed to a political discourse. And the director did a good job of keeping it that way. I'm going to watch the trailer for tomorrow's film real quick. And then I'm going to talk about it right after this break so that you'll know what we're going to watch tomorrow. All right, this one looks fun. I am on board for this film. Tomorrow, I am going to watch the horror musical Anna and the Apocalypse, which was released in 2018. It, in the trailer, says that it is like Shaun of the Dead meets La La Land, which I'm sold on. I like both of those movies a lot. Uh, I'm not going to get into the controversy of La La Land versus Moonlight because that was a few years ago. Uh, but 
I love both of those movies. This trailer, it just looks like a lot of fun. It's getting you into the holiday spirit too. There's some like Christmas references in it. Um, there's zombies. It looks like maybe a little comedy. It should be fun. I think it's going to be a really exciting way to jumpstart my midweek energy again. Um, so yeah, tomorrow on Wednesday, we're going to watch Anna and the Apocalypse. We'll talk about it. You can come right back here and listen. It should be up tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'm starting to get on the schedule, which is good so that you can kind of expect when I will be releasing the episodes every day, but it should be every day at 5 p.m., except for on Saturday and Sunday, which I do not release new episodes on. I release a bonus episode on Sundays at a random time, but at 5 p.m. every weeknight, come back here. The next two weeks, we're almost done with the spectacular thon Come back here tomorrow and listen to the podcast on Anna and the Apocalypse.